Founders of the Future with Joe Mardell. founder and CEO of Elefinti. Maysam, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. <laughs> Founded in 2018, Elefinti aimed to apply AI to open banking to improve financial well-being. Now, Maysam, why don't you start off by explaining to us what it means to be financially vulnerable and why it is that such a large portion of the UK population find themselves in that category? Yeah, no, thank you, Joe. I think that's a very good question, especially because this is not this is a statistic from the FCA's own live survey okay in 2017 and so it says 50% of the people are financially vulnerable and this is across age brackets and what we're talking about is people who struggle paycheck to paycheck that it will take one event to cause a huge disruption in their financial lives so it could be a boiler breakdown it could be a car breakdown it could be any sort of expense that they're not expecting to hit them and because of the high amounts of debt they're in, and because of the low or maybe even living in deficit budgets. And when I say deficit budgets, we're talking about people who are li- whose livable expenses are more than their income. And so, and also you've got people who've got variable income with the gig economy, for example, you've got people who've got variable income. They'll have some times where they'll get lots of money and then other times where they'll have a, they'll have a, streak where they're getting nothing at all. And then so they need to somehow manage that cash flow themselves. So what we're seeing is, you know, of course, the reasons for the, the vulnerability is because, of course, we're talking about, you know, the gig economy. We're talking about since the last financial crisis, there's been a squeeze on households. And that squeeze has meant that, you know, despite all the measures that the government put in place and all the funds that have gone out, households are finding themselves in a more difficult situation managing their household budgets. And so they're replacing that with credit card debts and others to find liquidity. As you know, even payday lenders were a huge thing until the government you know, had a huge uh, shutdown on them. So, but this, this sector needs, needs support, needs you know, some kind of liquidity. You know, expenses are going up, but income is not going up. You know, inflation is always rising, but if income doesn't match inflation, there's always going to be this case where your livable expenses outstrip your, your, your income. And the challenge is, it's not a case of, you know, that, that I'm a bad person not managing my budget. It's just a case of that rent's gone up, utilities have gone up, everything, you know, travel expenses have gone up, and I'm stuck in this situation where my income hasn't gone up. And so... So that's leading to more and more families facing that struggle. And, you know, a lot of people will, will understand that. And what COVID's done now is that it's accelerated some of that because a lot of people have been furloughed or are looking at, you know, potentially being laid off. So you're going to see more of that struggle. So financial vulnerability means that if any of those events happen, and COVID is one of those events, you are looking at a very, very difficult prospect from a financial perspective. Absolutely. And, and there are a number of things people can do, for example, setting up an emergency fund. But for a lot of families, building up an emergency fund is 
quite an impossible task when you're living paycheck to paycheck or it can seem very overwhelming. So what sort of advice would you have or, or how do you at Elefinti try and help people to get, get ahead financially and get educated and help, the, help themselves to better prepare for emergency situations that might put them into debt or, or bankrupt them? No, absolutely. I mean, that's a, another great question. And the thing is that, you know, when you are in that situation, it, things might seem that they're completely out of control and that you have no um, control over your own situation. However, you know, there are support out there. I mean, within the UK, there's a huge support network, you know, from government support to private charity support to debt advice, you know, and even the institutions that you borrow from, et cetera, there is a lot of support out there. The issue is that, you know, you need to get ahead of the curve. You need to get ahead of the problem so that you don't face those issues and you need to kind of manage through them. And I think, you know, the challenge is what you rightly pointed out is financial education, not understanding how these financing work. And so I'll give you an example. Like, you know, I I knew somebody who, you know, um, who was living paycheck to paycheck and, you know, single mom. And she was driving her uh, children to school and then going to work you know, her mode of transportation was very important for that work. And so when the car broke down, you know, just getting flustered and, you know, having to replace that car very, very quickly, you know, the repair costs were too too high. And so what she did was she bought a secondhand car on a credit card. Now, if you think about that purchase itself, I mean, that's such a bad decision from a financial perspective, because you're looking at a 22% APR on a credit card versus a typical, you know, five to 9% on a car loan. So immediately that interest is gonna hit you as you go forward, right? So so those kind of decisions can be really difficult if you're in a struggling situation. And I think what, what we need is sometimes a helping hand or somebody to help. And so what at Elephanty, what we're trying to do is trying to connect you to the right institutions quite early on, right? So it's about making sure that, for example, you know, if you are if you are looking for something to connect you to the right lender to connect you to the right provider and then if you are in a situation where that's not going to help right because you might not have a good enough credit score etc then connecting to an institution that can provide you an interest free loan because there are institutions that give those out as well and if that's not possible connect you to a grant and if that's not possible get connect you to your providers and get you some kind of breathing space right? Delaying your bills by a couple of months or something. And so all of these things are possible, but unless you handle them head on, and sometimes people are not aware of them and they don't understand them or how to use them. And so the tools, the automated tools allow you to do that efficiently, effectively, almost immediately, right? And I think that's the most important thing that that you need in that situation. So that's what we're trying to do with our kind of ecosystem is help the individuals out. Right. Right, and that's where the AI comes into this. You're using um, the AI to, you, you know, use automation and give suggestions to your your users to help them out financially, and uh, and I think that's a great application of AI. So, it, it would would you agree that that's kind of the main way that you use AI in the app? Yeah, absolutely, and and it's very important to talk about AI. And I think you know within the industry when we talk about AI, most of the people think about chatbots, and you know I think. Um, we need to start thinking about cognitive thinking and how how algorithms can be uh, a way for for machines to become more learning and more the ability to understand 
situations and deal with them appropriately. And I, I'll give you an example. So for example, the way we approach AI within our tool is that it helps us understand people's financial positions. And you know what we have to realize, and this is part of what a financial advisor does. And if you go to a financial advisor, and if you go to any seminar, the first thing they'll say is, listen, I'm not giving advice here. All I'm doing is I'm telling you uh, something and each situation is different. So you need to apply it based on your situation. So the first thing you need to do is understand that situation before you can do any, anything else. So the AI needs to be intelligent enough to use the data that's available. And this is through open banking and open finance. We're connecting to accounts and we're getting all of that data to understand your debt position, to understand your income and expense position. And based on that, plotting you somewhere in the universe, which says you're over here and then saying, okay, where do you want to take this person? And so without that, you can't actually give them any guidance. And as you can understand with the examples I gave you, you know, loan is probably a good idea for some people, but a really bad idea for others, you know, and so on and so forth. So you have to look at those individual situations. And so that's where the AI comes into play. Yeah, that's really great. That's really great. And I'd love to kind of get a bit more of your background story in regards to AI. Um, I know that you're, you've got a history in banking. That's where you've kind of um, spent most of your career. But how did you first get involved in the AI side of things and the tech scene? Is this something that you've, that you've always been interested in or, or did you just get interested in, in it because of the possibilities for finance? Well, it's a very good question again. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I never thought that I would be sitting here talking about AI and tech, <laughs> you know, five years ago. And so my journey actually started um, within this about 10 years ago. So I, I've been a banker for 15 years. Um, and I've worked for some of the largest banks in the world in some senior positions. And then uh, during the last financial crisis, I was sent to Iceland, of all places, to recover funds from the failed state and from the people. And, you know, it, it made me just open my eyes. I spent some time there and I realized that, you know, there's some systemic challenges people face. You know, people were keeping up their payments on their business loans, on their mortgages, but they still lost their houses and their businesses. And you know, it didn't seem fair to me. And so, you know, I started putting my head into understanding more about banking. Why can't banks help? And so that's led me on this track. And so when we started um, thinking about setting up the company, and this is me and my co-founder, and he was, he's been, he's an amazing developer. He's worked with, you know, the same bank that I used to work with, one of the biggest banks and used to produce global solutions. And when we started looking at how we can help, one of the things we found was, that as I said, people, you know, especially people who are struggling, they'll often be struggling because they're doing two jobs and or they've got, you know, a household of children they have to keep on top of as well. So with work, balancing, you know, single parents. So there are other challenges that they face in their lives and they don't have time of managing these relationships. Because if you think about um, about managing finance, it's about managing relationships with your providers. Right. I mean, I have to talk to my bank to be able to get the best deal I can. And if I have multiple relationships, so I'm getting a credit card from one person and a bank account from another, I have to manage those relationships. And I should be able to move to another provider that gives me a good deal on one versus the other. But to do that, you need to spend time to, to understand and evaluate. Now, if you are well off, you have access to wealth managers who do that work for you. Right. But if you're not privileged, then you struggle. And so when we started looking into this, we said, well, one of the things we have to provide as part of the solution 
is the ease and comfort of being able to automate those tasks so that you don't have to think about them. But to do that effectively, it needs to be in a solution. And tech has evolved tremendously, right? And I think, you know, I'm very lucky to be with a co-founder who understands this in the depth that it should. And here we are, you know, we're talking about AI as if, you know, <laughs> we know what we, what we do. Well, certainly yeah. my co-founder does. So, you know. No, no, I, I think it's amazing that, you know, you're bringing AI to the finance scene and, uh, and helping people to understand finance with the help of AI. Uh, there's no better tool really for automation and, and helping um, people to get on top of their finances. So I think, yeah, I think it's great. Moving forward, we're going to see AI coming into more and more elements of um, society and all the industries. So, you know, it's great that you're kind of at front lines of that, that new wave of um, innovation. But yeah, so you started um, Elephanti in around about 2018. And, um, and how's the journey been so far? Have you like encountered any big challenges along the way or, or has it been a smooth ride? Well, you know, one of the things that you have to realize as an, as an entrepreneur is that there are always challenges. And, you know, there are challenges at every stage. You know, at the first stage, you have an idea, but you have no funding. And so you have to kind of put everything on the line and risk yourself you know, your own finances to, to get going. And then, you know, once you get to a certain stage, you seek investment from other providers. Then you have to get to the stage of where you're talking to customers. And, you know, you'll have these situations where customers don't believe in your product or if they say you're too early or, and so you go through all of these challenges and it's a constant battle, right? Uh, being an entrepreneur, but it's all very gratifying as well at the end. You know, I, I explain this to my colleagues as well. Sometimes that we, we take a moment out you know, once a quarter, where we look back at what we've achieved. And sometimes, you know, when you're in the middle of it, it seems like, you know, everything is going downwards. However, it's kind of like the stock market graph, you know, where it's going up and down, up and down. But then eventually, if you look back over the period of three years, it's actually been a graph that's going upwards, you know. So, you know, to say that everything's been smooth and amazing, well, it, it never is. And it's all, you always find challenges where you least expect them and everything is going well, you know, there'll be a hiccup. And, you know, we've seen people challenges with our team. We've seen investment challenges. We've seen product challenges. We've seen customer challenges. So you see all sorts, right? And um, you just have to, you know, and that's where your, your passion and, and resilience comes in. And I think, you know, one of the biggest thing that we found as a driver for us as a team was the, the passion and purpose we found in, in helping people with their finances. So we have a very, very strong foundation. And I think one of the first things we did as a team was to build out our, our culture and culture map and say, what is our purpose? What is our mission? What are we trying to do? And I think everybody came to this conclusion that, you know, we really want to help people. Mm. And I think because of that, even in bad days, you kind of push on and we say, no, this is important. You know, it's not just, it's not just a business. It's more than that. And that keeps us going. And so when you have that kind of um, a push, you know, you look back, there are tough days, but you power through and, you know, you, we've been, we've been blessed to have come to this point. To be honest with you, May Sam, I would never have believed you, even if you had said it was a smooth ride. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised there's been a lot of challenges. That's just the life of an entrepreneur. But um, it's great to hear that you're building your culture around helping people. I love to hear that. And, um, and I would love to just also hear kind of 
your advice for how you would continue to build that culture over time and make sure that you stay true to the principles that you set out right on day one. If you're a company that loves philanthropy, helping people and building a better society, how do you make sure that that mindset still permeates through your company years down the line? Absolutely. That's another good question. And, you know, we, we, to, to really build a culture, I think what you need to do is, first of all, you need to live it, right? If you don't do what you say, then obviously it's not going to pan out and people will see through it. So from a very early stage, first of all, you know, you have to have collaborative leadership. So when we talk about collaborative leadership, what it means to us is that, that, you know, it's not like I'm the boss and everybody's following. So our management team, everybody's a leader in their own right. So we come together and we decide what is the purpose and mission of this business. So they're all bought into it, right? So it's not a case of I'm telling them, this is what we want to do and this is how we're going to do it. They're all bought into the mission, bought, all bought into the purpose of this. And then what we're trying to do is figuring out how do we deliver? And so um, when they're building their teams, they're passing the same messages to their teams as well. And I think as we grow, and sometimes this is the challenge with culture, right? Is that when you get new people in, your culture dilutes. But mm -hmm. the thing is, if you, if you continue to hold those values very, very strongly and you live them day in, day out. So one of the things we've done very early on is like commitment of up to 20% of our profits towards charities for financial education and for technology education. Because fundamentally in the long run, if as a community, as, as a nation, we want to succeed, then we want you know, our youngsters to understand technology and to understand finances, because these are the two big pillars of, you know, great societies. So, you know, we're committed to that. And so those are some of the ways we, 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 you know, uh, harness that commitment, but we also do other things like whenever we're doing a product um, strategy session or we're doing another, you know, marketing session, we'll always ask the question of how does this help people? How does how is this true to our mission? And so it helps us weed out a number of, you know, nice to haves, which kind of take us away from the purpose and help us stay on culture as well. So, you know, it reinforces to the team that, you know, I think like this and those things will fly. So when we're coming to a meeting, everybody's preparing with that in mind. I love that. And I love the, you know, there's all kinds of ways there that you're helping to build that culture and um, donating money to charity or some of your profits to charity is one of the best ways and something that you, you said actually grabbed my attention um, you mentioned that when you bring new people into the company that can actually dilute the culture a little bit and that is something that I've heard from a number of people is that it is a struggle when you start to expand your startup bringing new people in and, and deciding um, how do you hire new people without altering the culture of the business and um, have you got any little secrets about hiring? Um, how do you spot a good fit for the culture to make sure that it doesn't get too diluted over the long run? Well, um, one of the most important challenges, and you know, we've had people challenges. If I were to say, you know what, I've got the secret formula that's worked forever. You know, that's probably not true, but it's, it's something that I've refined over, over my career. And it's, you know, so what you have to do is you have to test the people that you're hiring. You have to test their resolve, you know, and sometimes you have to see whether they really believe in the culture or are they just saying it just to get to the next stage. And so, you know, you do those tests 
But the real test always is when the person steps through the door into your organization and you start working with them. And I think a lot of the responsibility lies on the organization as well, right? Because if they're coming in, I need to make sure they understand how we're running. You know, I can't just expect them to have a seat and then start delivering from day one to the expectations of or, or the levels that we we want. So a lot of time I spend personally speaking to my team. And so we hired, you know, one of our senior team members in the end of last year. And I spent a lot of time with them sitting down, talking about strategy, asking them to do strategy, not even like, you know, doing it them, myself and just pushing it onto them. And then sitting down with them and talking through, okay, why are you thinking like that? Have you thought about it like this? This is why our purpose is important. And so when you go through that process and, you know, a lot of times as a founder, it can be really difficult because you have like 10 things in the air. And so that's the last thing on your mind. It's one of those uh, non-urgent important things. Mm. If you, if you know the matrix yeah, and it's, course. so you have to, you have to make time for it, you know? So I try to make time for it because especially in the beginning of your journey, you want people around you who will, who will operate like one. And, you know, so your team is really, really crucial. So selection process is important, but then once they're on board, you need to, you need to make sure you're spending time with them so that they understand what needs to happen, how it happens, et cetera. And third thing is you just give them time, you know, to see how things are working. And if you're, if you're leading from the top and, you know, we expect everybody to be a leader, then everybody is kind of, they see the team and they see, you know, and the thing is, you know, we, we encourage criticism. And so when we're in a, in a team meeting, you know, people are criticizing me for, you know, and, and we, what we do is we encourage positive criticism as opposed to negative criticism. But what it does is, and we, we don't take it personally because it's all about the end result and the del delivery and what we're doing. It's not about a personal criticism to me that you don't know what you're talking about. You know, and sometimes I don't, but as a team, we can come up with really good ideas. So, you know, when, you, when they see that in action, that, you know, that I'm not taking it personally, that they can criticize me, you know, they feel empowered and, you know, they feel purpose and they feel like they want to work for this company. That's great. So, yeah. And I'm sure it helps you to grow your, your, yourself personally and all of the members of your team will get a lot of personal growth from, um, you know, getting criticism and constructive criticism from the other members of the team. And I'm sure that actually leads to a lot of innovation in your brainstorming ses sessions. If you're, you know, throwing ideas around and people feel like they have the freedom to criticize or suggest other alternatives, um, that must lead to a lot of, a lot of innovative ideas, surely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the challenge we have is sometimes reining in that innovation, but absolutely we have a lot of good ideas on the table and, you know, I think over the next six to 12 months, um, you know, you will see a real change in pace in our delivery. Um, and, you know, that's been accelerated because of COVID, you know, when COVID hit, and I think this is probably the best example of it. You know, we are building a financial management app, right? And a tool, uh, a, a workflow and process tool for institutions, which helps them manage their customers. So that ties in together to provide, right, that, that really um, amazing, you know, quick response that I was talking about. So the AI driven tool and the process driven tool, which allows them to 
make quick decisions, etc. And so when COVID hit, you know, the team got together and they said, you know, we we have some challenges and we need to solve these. And, you know, people are going to be struggling. People are going to look for information. People are being furloughed. How do they get to access to that information? And I remember that during that time, towards like the middle of it, you know, we had, uh, our family had a personal uh, tragedy uh, due to COVID. And so I had to excuse myself from that. But the team continued to do work and deliver. And they delivered something really amazing, a directory service that helps people access information very, very quickly. So they consolidated all of the information from the market, from government agencies, from banks, from charities, et cetera, et cetera, right? So you can go into that service and you can look for what's relevant for you. They, they created an expert section where they got experts to come in and give advice. There's podcasts, there are webcasts uh, on there, amazing content. There's a, there's a section for, um, for getting jobs, income creation. So, so we got a number of our partners to post their jobs there. So during COVID, if you've lost your job or if you're, you know, you're furloughed, if you want something, you know, there's something there for you. And then we'll, the other fourth thing we did was government feedback. So we, we took all of the people who were giving us feedback and saying, you know what, this link doesn't work or that bank doesn't, you know, that information isn't clear. We were feeding it back to the, the appropriate people to make sure that that information was clarified. Because I think that feedback doesn't happen. You know, somebody has to write into an organization to make that happen. But if we can consolidate that and send that back, that's more effective. Amazing. So, yeah, I mean, so that's I just one example. I can see how that would be hugely beneficial, especially in a time like today where we're in a crisis. Um, that's going to help so many people. Uh, you know, who have got themselves into sticky situations. So, uh, yeah, that's really, really awesome. But just before we finish up, um, we're coming close to the end of the 30 minutes. But uh, if you would just like to kind of like tell the listeners where they can find you online, if they've got, if you've got any social media links or a website that you'd like people to check out, um, do you just want to let them know? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, you know, of course, we're on all the major social media, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Um, we also have our website, www.elephanty.com. We also have a, the, the directory service and the support service that we were talking about, which is elephanty.com slash element. I'll send you the links if you can just post them. Absolutely. Below. Absolutely. And um, yeah. And you know, any feedback you have as well, you know, any things we, we can do to support any unique situations that people are facing that don't have a solution. You know, we are, you know, part of what we're trying to do is also keep connected with different organizations. So even if, you know, in the short term, we can't solve your problem immediately, we'll connect you to someone who can. And so that's the whole point of this. So, you know, whether it's offline or through our tool, you know, we're here to help. And that's, that's what we like. We're, that's our mission. So Awesome. Awesome. Make sure that you go and check out those links. I'll put them in the description of this video. Or if you're listening on Spotify, then go and check out May Sam and Elephanty on all of the social media platforms. They post some great stuff on YouTube as well. So don't forget to check that out. But um, May Sam, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Uh, thanks again for coming on the podcast. And I wish you the best of luck moving forward. Thank you very much, Joe. It's been a pleasure and very nice talking to you. Thank you. Take care.